You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Okay, come with me to Luke chapter 2, and we'll read from verse 1 to 20. Hallelujah. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the same which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all those things and pondered them in her heart. 20, the last one, let's read together. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. This morning, you know, I'm trusting the Lord to speak to each and every one of us as you well know we are coming from different places we need to hear different things but the good news is that jehovah knows you're here so he will speak your word to you in the name of jesus someone who came sick there is healing here someone who came downcast there is a word that will lift you up in the name of jesus someone in need of direction the counsel of the lord will come in the name of jesus hallelujah so Christmas is when we have the opportunity or we take time out. Because like uh, we've said here, Jesus is the reason for all seasons. Without him was nothing made that was made. So everything, every day, every hour, every moment, every second, ideally is Christmas. Because in him we live and move and have our being. He's the sum total, he's the alpha, he's the omega, he's the beginning, he's the end. He's all of that and much more. Praise the Lord. However, on this day, we celebrate when the greatest, who is the greatest of them all? Our God. Hallelujah. We celebrate when the greatest, who is God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, gave the greatest gift. Praise the Lord. So Christmas is when we remember and celebrate when the greatest who is God the Father, God Almighty, give the greatest gift, who is his only begotten son, Jesus. Praise the Lord. To meet the greatest need. So the greatest, God Almighty, gives the greatest gift, his only begotten son, Jesus, 
to meet the greatest need or to solve the greatest problem, which is what? Salvation. Praise the Lord. So that is what Christmas, you know, we celebrate. In essence, in Christmas, the greatest God the Father gives God the Son to solve the greatest need, which is salvation. Okay? And that's why no amount, no extent of celebration, it will be too much. Provided we benefit from the celebration. Provided it's not just, you know, what we do and then we throw it away and we continue life as usual. No. Whatever we do to celebrate Christmas is worth it. Praise the Lord. Some time ago when Obama was going to visit Ghana, you know, the country almost stopped for a month preparing for the reception of a fellow black man. Why? Because he had become an American president and he was visiting an African country. So they rearranged everything just to receive him. Now the creator of the world, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who is God Almighty, came into this world, born as a man. Whatever we do to celebrate his coming is not too much. Can we just put our hands together and appreciate the Lord? That he came. That he came. It's mind-boggling. You know, there are so many other things he could have done. He could have spoken the word. You know, he could have sent messengers. But he came himself, you know, trapped in the womb of a woman for nine months. Jesus did that for you. He did that for me. Anyone here doubting the love of God, I bet you, you don't know how much Jesus loves you. Praise the Lord, somebody. So that's what he came for, to solve the greatest need or to meet the greatest need or to solve the greatest problem, which is salvation. And you see, if we don't know what he came for, we will not fully benefit from his coming. Part of the lessons for me every time is Christmas is that I sit down and I ponder and I wonder and I ask, how come he came to his own and his own did not receive him? How come? How could he come and then they didn't receive him? I mean, how possible is that? And then I wonder, how come Herod, you know, hears that the Savior is born. And instead of him rejoicing, he wants to kill him. How come? How come the elders and the scribes and the Pharisees will be inquired of, where is he to be born? And they point their finger and direct Bethlehem of Judea. And they take no step. How come? These were the people that their fathers and fathers before were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. How come when he came, everybody missed it? And when I ask those questions, I'm not asking them because they've run their race and finished. I'm asking so that I also don't miss what God is doing now. Praise the Lord. We started learning on Wednesday. We looked at, you know, the making of Christmas and we looked at different persons and the parts they played. And we saw that the Bible says the things which we are reading, we are reading for our examples. They were reading for our admonition. They were reading to make us wiser. So if I come at this Christmas now and do every other thing that people do at Christmas and miss the message and the essence of Christmas, then I join the league, maybe not of Herod because I don't want to kill him, but I joined the league of the scribes and the Pharisees who just pointed, they had the information, but they had no benefit of the information. The information did not better their lives. So my prayer and my desire is that this Christmas, you and I will be better. Our world will be better in the name of Jesus Christ. So we want to see what was it he came to do because that will begin to help us. Because it said that where purpose is not known, abuse is what? Inevitable. So when we know the purpose of his coming, why did the son have to be born into the world? Why did he have to come? He came primarily because man had fallen and man needed a redeemer. Praise the Lord. An angel couldn't redeem us. Who fell was man. Praise the Lord. Our problem was that man had lost it completely. And the best of us couldn't redeem us. Because any one of us would be born in sin. And the best of us would not be acceptable as a sacrifice. So the solution was that the perfect one had to come. Where is he going to be found? Would he be found in Asia, in Africa, in North America, in Arab countries? No, he couldn't be found. So God himself had to rise up and take upon himself the human body. That was what began to happen. He says, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? He said, I sought for myself a man. I found none. So he says, my own arm will bring me what? Salvation. 
So that's how come Jesus and the Father agreed, Son, you're going to go and pay the price for these people. Praise the Lord. So what we see at Christmas was the beginning of this salvation plan, the beginning of the unfolding of the salvation plan. What was it to do for us? Quickly. The first thing that it was to do for us, the most critical thing it was to do for us, was to solve the issue of penalty, of sin. You see, the Lord Jehovah said to Adam and Eve, the day you eat of the fruit of this tree, what is going to happen? He said, you sure you will die. And they ate, and certainly death had come upon them. God didn't have to say you die. The moment he said, if you eat, you die, that was what happened. And the serpent knew. That's why he told every lie and persuaded Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit of that tree. And the moment they ate it, that's how they found themselves in that situation. That's how come they saw they were naked. That's how come sickness came in. That's how come disease came in. That's how come thorns came in. The earth God created had only beautiful things. It says in that garden, what was happening there? It said everything was beautiful. They had no thorns. They had nothing like that. But when man fell, all manner of corruption came in. Praise the Lord, somebody. So what was the primary thing? To remove the penalty. That the soul that sins must die. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God, that's what happened at Christmas. The gift of God came. So that instead of the wages of sin, I can receive the gift of life. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. So I'm no longer living under the curse, under the penalty. Why? Because a redeemer has been found for me. A redeemer in today's language is somebody who will bail you. You know, you're detained in the police cell, innocent or not, but they require that another person will come and stand in your place and say, release this man on my account. Jesus Christ came so that he can bear it. First Peter 2.24. Let's see what, what it says. Thank you. It says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. He bore my sins in his own body. It was my sin but he took a body, so he was born, so that he can take my sin on his own body. Can you put it for us in the Living Bible, please? Thank you. It says, he personally carried the load of our sins in his own body when he died on the cross. He needed that body to carry Canaan's sins. Praise the Lord. Anybody here, he carried your sins? He needed the body. As God in heaven, he couldn't carry my sins. You see, God's justice... Is not forgetfulness. God must judge in righteousness, okay? So if God is going to forgive me my death, praise the Lord. Okay, let's break it down this way. Okay, I'm owing Top Enam, and I'm owing him some large sum of money. And Momichi is a very nice mommy to both of us. Momichi cannot just get up and tell Tope, Tope, you know I'm very nice. Please forgive uh, Ikenna the money he's owing you. The conversation can't end like that. The only way she can say forgive me is that what? She takes what I'm owing and pays it to you. That becomes righteousness and justice because I'm forgiving, but she has paid you. In Christ Jesus, God forgave us, but in righteousness. Are you with me? Because he put our sins on Christ, punished him for the sins, and then set us free. But because he was God, he could also raise him up from the dead. So Jesus is not carrying the punishment again. He has finished it. That's why in heaven, the Bible says the lamb stood as though it were slain, but is no longer slain. Praise the Lord, somebody. That's the righteousness of God, okay? So it says, he himself carried the load of our sins. That's what makes Christmas so powerful. So I can walk freely. You know, several times I've asked us this question. I don't know if there are people here who have been guilty. A lot of us don't know the feeling of being guilty because we never really got around to it. But if you've been guilty, then you appreciate forgiveness. When they write those names, maybe in school, and they say those who jumped the fence. They are going to suspend them and you come to the assembly and the principal stands like this and calls the first name. You know he was on your side here. Calls the second name. You know he was there. There are seven of you. They have called five. And you know they will soon call your name. You know the way your heart pounds. Do I have people who have been guilty here? Now, what happens, what we are talking about here is when they stop calling and they didn't call your name, that day you, you will never be hungry. If they say it's right, that seven, you say I'm full. What has happened? 
the joy of being freed from the punishment of that sin. That is why we rejoice. Let's appreciate the Lord. He himself bore our sins in his own body. So that baby we are celebrating was born to take away the sins of the whole world. That's what John the Baptist said. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the whole world. Praise the Lord. So that is what he did to take the consequences and the penalty. He removed it from us completely. Okay? Now, another thing he did wasn't just removing the penalty, which that on its own is powerful and very important. He removed the power of sin. In other words, the control. Because it's one thing now to settle and pay off my death, okay, to bail me from prison or to bail me from detention. And then on your way home, they call you and say, please come and bail me again. What has happened? Another checkpoint has stopped me. I was caught for overspeeding or whatever. And then when you bailed me on my way home, I still overspeed. And they arrested me and put me again. And they call you to come and bail me. Will you come? You might come. Then you bail me again. You warn me. Isn't it? See, I don't want to keep bailing you. Okay? Then you're going again. They call you and say, this time he's not overspeeding. He fought. And they call you back again to come and bail him. You know, that doesn't look nice, does it? Now, the same way, when Christ saved you and I, he did not just bail us. He didn't just pay the penalty for our sins. He also broke the power of sin to control us. Praise the Lord, somebody. Let's look at Romans 8, 1 and 2, but in particular 2. Let's see the way he put it there. It says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. What has he done? He says he has made me free from what? The law of sin and death. Can we look at it at a simpler translation? Maybe the NLT version. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And he says, and because you belong to him, because we belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has what? Freed me from the power of sin that leads to death. So Jesus did not just pay the penalty, but he also broke the power. You know that statement, the devil made me do it. As a born again Christian, you know who is making you do things now? It's the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Spirit of God, for it is he who works in you, both to what? Both to will and to do. If the devil made you do anything, you traveled and visited him. Are you getting me now? When Jesus came to do his work, being the perfect one, the holy one, he did a complete job. That's why our Lord's prayer says, lead us not into temptation. We don't go and tempt the devil now. We are led in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. There is a path the believer should walk in. So the consequences are settled. Praise the Lord. The curse is taken off. And then they just don't send me away. They give me power to say no. Praise the Lord. Anybody excited at that? Yes, you have the power. If you didn't know, then know that's what you're celebrating at Christmas. The power. The power to look at that cake and say, I won't eat you. What are you talking about? Crazy, right? The power to start eating, start eating. And know that you should stop now. How many of us have eaten and eaten and eaten? And then when you finish eating, you're tired. You ate for strength and then ate for punishment. If you eat for strength alone, when you finish eating, you're ready to go. But when you finish at a point, your body tells you, we're okay. Praise the Lord. Then you start eating for your neighbors. <laughs> when you eat that one, when you finish, your body will now do the job of evacuating and breaking down that excess so that you can function. Are you with me? At that point, you're now overloaded. Now, when Jesus came, he came to give us the power. That's why one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. He brings a thermostat that enables you to function without regrets. In fact, one of the best benefits of being born again is that you have minimal regrets. If every day you're just regretting, regretting, remember, the one who saved you gave you wisdom. Say, Christ has become to us what? Wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification. He gives you wisdom. You want to go to a place, you say, well, it's not bad going to that place, but there are risks there. So you sit down. 
They invite you to a party and you really want to just mingle and, you know, mingle and all of that. But the Spirit of God says to you, be careful. And you don't go. In your heart, you're missing the environment. But later, you hear what happened there. You're glad you didn't go. Why? Because you're giving power. You're giving control. You're no longer led by the elements. You're no longer led by the wind. You're led by the Spirit of God. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. That's what he did. He gave us power, control over sin. So sin doesn't move us again. The other one he gave us, which is very interesting. And that one, I bet, you know, a few people have begun to enter into that dimension. And that one is what we say, he delivered us from the love and admiration of sin. You know, just like I said now, the last point we made is that he gave us power and control. So you want to go, but he helps you not to go. As you know Jesus, and as you behold Jesus, there's a place he brings you to believers and my prayer is that you get to that place you know in this season he brings you to a place where you don't obey him and you it's like i have to you know i'm a christian so i have to do this praise the lord i have to forgive you okay i have to not lose my temper i must not take bribe okay i I get it me now it's the point where you love him and it's sweet to obey him. You know the commandment says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. Right? Now, the Christian who has fully benefited from Jesus' birth has come to the point where he so admires Jesus that everything concerning Jesus is a joy to him already. Is someone hearing me? It's a joy. You see, it's a place where you get into. You get to that point where this thing becomes sweet to you. You may have known a few persons who are at this point. Let me show you a scripture. 1 John 2, 15. You say, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But put the message translation. You see, this point is where, as you come here now, the truth is this. When people say, before the end of this year, you get that breakthrough. You're wondering, who are they talking to? Because what you're looking for before the end of this year is to be transformed into his likeness. Do you understand what I mean? You're you're no longer looking. The things the world is running after have lost attraction to you. All of a sudden, you're looking at life from a different view altogether. Why? You have eaten Christ. It's like somebody who has eaten a proper homemade meal. And then he comes out and they're offering him gala. How many people know what gala is there? The children, you really didn't meet Gala. The, what you're meeting now is building block. That thing can be used to build. You know, but as good as Gala was there, there's a kind of meal you eat, it will have no attraction. Or not even you eat, you're going to eat. What has happened is that at that point, the picture, the view, the sweetness of Jesus has so taken you in. You know, I, I told us here, and I, I said again for those that are still catching for our electronic media i think in order to make money or just to take more people to hell they've added these reels i never used to see reels on facebook how many of us on facebook and i've told us here how you know they put you know things there that will make you want to click and watch right now the way it works is this if you're at the point where you wish it was okay to watch sometimes you see something and your body says, ah, I would have liked to see what happened or to see the whole story. But when you get to the point where you love Jesus so much that when you see those things, you're angry. You're okay. You're just okay. And you're scrolling. And then when you see it, you say, what nonsense is this? When this power is broken or when this power is released to you, the admiration for Jesus to the extent that sin is repulsive to you. I get what I'm saying. It's not that, ah, you know, I can't look at it. Uh, I can't do it. Too. The pastor said in my church, they said we shouldn't do this. So uh, my father said I shouldn't do that. My mother said I shouldn't do that. It's because that power of Jesus has not yet been revealed to you. When the beauty of Jesus is revealed to you, it's a choice. That's why it says, do not love the world 
or the things of the world. Why? Because you have a capacity for love. If your capacity is 100 millimeters or 100 liters, any love of the world you have reduces the father you can enjoy. So when you come to experience the sweetness of Jesus, his attraction to you, you don't want anything to cut it short. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? You see, I don't know about you, but I like taste to last in my mouth. So there's some food I finish eating. My wife will be offering me some. I say, no, that's I almost scream at her, you know, rudely. Why? Because the taste of the afang that is in my mouth. Why do I want to use something and spoil it? I want that taste to last and last and last and last and last. Do I have a witness here? I don't just want to finish eating afang and then I'll drink Coke. Coca-Cola on top of... Eh? Is somebody getting what I'm saying? That's what he does. He said, Jesus came to show us the beauty of the Lord. You remember in the Old Testament, what they thought of the Lord was someone, you know, that makes the mountains to quake, you know, darkness and clouds and all of that. But if Jesus walked through here now, children would leave their parents and run to him. He was so beautiful, so attractive. There was something, just something so sweet about Jesus that sinners didn't run from him. The only people that ran from him were hypocrites. He was that lovely. Praise the Lord. And as you know him, you begin to know that his loveliness. And it is that knowledge also that makes the Christian that even when you fall, when you make a mistake, if any man sins, you will have an advocate. You still run to him because even in your weakness, he's beautiful. Praise the Lord, somebody. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. He comes to bring that revelation of Jesus, that sweetness. You know, sometimes I have to pray to the Lord. I say, Lord, please, I think I'm missing sight of you because this word is becoming too strong to me. I'm telling you the truth. Let's look at Philippians 3, please, 7 and 8. But what things were gained to me? He says, I've counted laws for Christ. Verse 7. Let's go back to 7. But what things were gained to me? These I've counted laws. Paul here wasn't talking about sin. He wasn't talking about bad things. He was just saying that these things were what people were running after. Just like today, someone says, I remember many years ago at some point, you know, in my life, Somebody sat my wife and I down and told me that, what are you doing here? You should be known everywhere. How, how can you, you know, okay, let me give you more detail. The former church where we're, you know, this pastor was sent, you know, from wherever he came. And he came to the church and said, I'm surprised I don't know you in Kenya. You mean you're the pastor of this church and we don't know you there? I was looking at him. Is there something wrong with your head? Am I doing this thing to be known? It's Jesus I want to know. Don't come and tell me how I'll become known. You know, some people come and tell me things. I, I want to, Pastor, I want to give you an award. I say, take it. I want to make you, I say, take it, keep it. For now, all these things, they are gained to many people. But for the love and relationship and the beauty I see in Jesus, he's enough for me. Somebody, you can rejoice for me if you're not rejoicing for yourself. Don't worry, you'll be known. You'll be known. <laughs> Hallelujah. You'll become big, large. You understand? But I'm telling you that Paul here was not talking about sin. He said the things which many counted, verse 8 now. He said, yet indeed I also count all things lost. For what? The excellence of the knowledge. You see, anything that is going to diminish a bit. Now understand me please. Some of us have assignments that you cannot run away from this. Okay? But there are things people do. Let me give you a simple illustration which will help you. At some point, you know, Pastor Dave, who was with us, said, Pastor, you have to write a book. I mean, all this thing you have, when you write books, you're known. That once that came, it lost everything. If they said, if you don't write book, Jesus won't be happy. Ah, you'll get my attention. Okay? So people write books, and you take the book and read. You don't see anything. You read from page 1 to page 30. 30 to 400. Nothing. And you're wondering, why did this person waste the printer's money or the publisher's money? But these are the things that the world is running after for acknowledgement. But Paul here is saying, those things are no longer what? Attractive to me. Why? Because of the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Jesus came so that we can see the beauty of the Lord and know that he that has him hath life. Praise the Lord somebody. He that does not have him does not have what? It doesn't matter whatever else you have. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. And also... 
it doesn't matter whatever else you don't have. If you have Jesus, you have life. So somebody came to church and listening to the average, you know, thing people say, it's as though this year has been bad for you because you didn't get point one, point two, point three on your list. But I've come to tell you that he that had Christ had what? Life. He that does not have him does not have life. If you have him, ah, brother, sister, there's nothing more to add. Let's look at that very passage in uh, the Living Bible. It says, But all these things that I once thought worthwhile, now I've thrown them all away, so that what? I can put my trust and hope in Christ. Verse 8. He said, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared. This is the issue. It's not that they're bad, but when I compare them, and this is what the revelation of Jesus does, this is what makes a man treasure. This is what Joseph found, and he said to Potiphar's wife, if I do this with you, I will lose God. Praise the Lord. Is this that Daniel found? And they said to him, the day you pray to any other God, we're going to throw into the lion's den. He said, I'd rather be in the lion's den than lose God. And when they had written the decree, the Bible says, Daniel went to his house and opened the window. If I were him that day, I would pray without opening window. You get what I'm saying? But he had come to the point where pleasing God was so important was so essential it was his life it was joy to him it wasn't a commandment brothers and sisters in conclusion what i'm saying is it that christ came so that the commandments of god will no longer be commandments to you they'll become a delight to you praise the lord somebody that's what it is how many of us have you know had close babies born to us when you carry that baby and the baby pulls what's your response do you run away from the room you say, naughty boy, you're still smiling with the poo. Let somebody 15 years, 20 years older poo and see your response. What has happened is that the delight in the baby has made whatever mess that comes out of him no longer an issue. The attractiveness, that's what we're talking about. When you fall and see the beauty of Jesus, the things that people are complaining the things that people are murmuring about, it won't be a concern to you. Why? Because you're finding pleasure. The last one, because of time, praise the Lord. The reason he came is to save us. This one is the best part of it. Is to save us now from the presence of sin. Come with me to Revelation 21, please. To save us from the presence of sin. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't know how to compartmentalize my joy. So, it's Christmas season and... We should be happy. We should just be jumping and celebrating. But two days ago, a few of us may have seen it on TV, where they buried 39 people that were killed in, in Southern Cardinal. How many of us saw it? The burial of 39 that were killed in Southern Cardinal. And there were pastors, reverends. I mean, the women, you know, wailing, the families wailing, crying. And then the pastors, you could see the pain. The man was saying, the government has failed us, police has failed us, army has failed us, everybody has failed them, that they can't take this anymore, you know? And if you are aware, anybody from Southern Cardinal here, you know what I'm talking about. This didn't start today. Continually, they're just killing them off and just being so mean and unfair and wicked to these people. And you look at that, you really want to ask, should I go on and celebrate Christmas? Can I say to them, Merry Christmas? Can I rightly say that to them? Can I say to those pastors that are burying 39 people? Can I say to those people, their crime is just that they're citizens of Nigeria? How do you handle that? But this last one helps us. Revelation 21. Let's see what it says. It says, now, from verse 1. It says, now I saw a new heaven. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. A time is going to come when we'll all jabber. And not Jabba from Nigeria to another place. We're going to Jabba from here and be caught in the sky. Praise the Lord, somebody. There is a plan. And that's why he came. We said last Sunday that God became man so that man can become sons of God. God became a son of man so that men can become sons of God. It says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, this one had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. He said, prepared as a bride, 
adorned for her husband. This is talking about preparation. It's talking about a dwelling place that is tailor-made. But they say there, it says, this city, verse 2, is prepared as a bride. Now, a few of us here know what it is. You know, the extent the bride goes in preparation for that wedding day. Sometimes I even ask, why do they go to those uh, massage parlors and they do massage and they soak them in water and do all those things they do? You know, sometimes they soak them 24 hours and they still cover everything. If they soak you, then you should walk around so that you can benefit from the soaking. So they put all of that, they still cover. But it's just part of the preparation, the food they will eat, everything they're going to do, all of that. Heaven is saying that there's a city prepared like that for you. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. They know what is best and it is done. It says, coming down of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. This is it now. Emmanuel, when Jesus Christ was born, he said, Emmanuel, God with us. This is the culmination. Are you with me now? Verse 4 goes on and says, and God will do what? Will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is it. To the brethren that are suffering, to the brethren that are afflicted, to the brethren that are tormented. He said, a time is coming, and that very soon, when God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He says, there shall be no more death. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you, but he said, I'm a pastor, so we can be here now. Um, one of our instrumentalists lost the younger sister or the older sister. I know that. You don't know that. So when we're jumping, I have to be jumping in the picture that somebody just lost the sister. Are you getting what I'm saying? But I jump in the realization that because Christ was born, a time is going to come that there'll be no more death. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. That's what the gospel is about. That's why we have to preach the correct gospel. You know, there are some places that give people the imagination. There are churches that don't even like talking about deaths. When people die, they cover it. Nobody should know people die here. Because you're, uh, you know, this is your Jerusalem. This is your new heaven. This is your new... Earth. No, no. There's a new city. Praise the Lord. Where there shall be no mother. Look at the second. He said, no sorrow. Jesus came to record that for us. So that we are living now with an expectation. That's why the early church, when they greeted one another, they say, Maranatha. Even so, come Lord Jesus. That's what they're looking for. If the church today can look for the coming of Jesus, set our eyes for the coming of Jesus, the way we set on, you know, physical things, we'll be a powerful church. Because you just know that you know that you know that at the end we win. It's in the plan. It says then there'll be no more sorrow, no crying. It says there shall be no more pain. For the former things are what? They've passed away. This is what the Lord is talking about. This is why we celebrate our Christmas. When Jesus came into the earth, he came to put a seal on this plan of God. He came so that as you and I receive him, as you and I enter into this relationship with him, this place is assured us. No matter what happens here, we can know that the scripture that says these light afflictions, they are doing what? They are working for us. Oh, how I wish I could find a situation where while we're on this side of eternity, there's no more sorrow. But it's not possible. There's no more death. It's not possible. There's no more pain. It's not possible. It's not. Because Jesus teaching us said, if they did these things to your master, look at the things Jesus went through. Beyond his death, look at the things he went through. Do you know that Jesus' brothers didn't even believe in him up to when he died? It was when he died that they gave him a second thought. To them, they felt, who, who do you think you are? So some of us are here, and you're wondering, why are people close to me not supporting me? Why is this not happening? Why is that not happening? You're in this world. This place is not the prepared place. This place is a place where we fight, where we gain victory. That's why Jesus, writing to the church, says, to him that overcomes. What we're in this place to do is to win battles. And then when that new earth comes, you wear your crown. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. It's for victory. This battleground. No soldier goes to the battleground looking for comfort. No. You don't look for comfort there. What you look for is survival. You look for survival. You look for victory. You look for taking ground. 
And for us, what is it to take ground? You bear witness, you win souls. You bear witness, you win souls. You bear witness, you win souls. No matter what is happening, you bear witness, you win souls. We learn from men like Apostle Paul. They locked Apostle Paul in Caesar's prison. Before Caesar knew it, his cook was born again. His uh, ADC was born again. All the people that were around there were getting born again. So they realized that this man, whether you lock him up or not, the word of God cannot be changed. That's what it should be. Are you in difficulties? You're winning souls. Are you enjoying? You're winning souls. Everywhere they throw you there, they can't find anything to do with you. Why? Because the Christ in you is sufficient, beautiful for all situations. Praise the Lord, somebody. So that is what he came to do. Those three things. And that gives us the greatest news, the gospel of Jesus. So how do we honor the celebrant? You know, we ask ourselves, because we, we need to remind ourselves that we have a celebrant for this occasion we are celebrating. Praise the Lord. How well do you really know this celebrant? Jesus, how well do you know him? And what kind of gift do you think he'll want from you? The Bible tells us about the record of the magis the wise men or the astrologers who came, they gave him gifts, frankincense, gold, and men. And, you know, Joseph and Mary needed it at that time. What does Jesus want from me today? What does he want from you? What does the celebrant want from us? Anybody has a guess? Anybody gave him a gift already? I think that song, Parapapampam, is a song of a gift, right? What do I bring to him? The song says something like that. So, we, we give him the gift of our songs today. It's Thanksgiving. He said, we offer to him the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, being thankful. So we're going to do that, okay? But what is it really that Jesus would want from me on his birthday? What would he want from you? Have you thought about that? Praise God. Any child help me with that? What does Jesus want? What would be an ideal gift to give him? Praise God. What would be an ideal gift? It should be very simple. Isaiah 53 tells us that he will see of the travails of his soul and be what? And be satisfied. Jesus came because he loved mankind. He didn't want man to perish. So the best gift I can give him, the best gift you can give him in this period is to bring a soul to him. Is to bring peace in a situation. Some of us come from homes where in this there is war. It's family, but there is war within the family. You bring peace in that environment. Some of us come, you know, in neighborhoods where all kinds of things. It's to make the light of Jesus to shine. So he looks at you and says, wow, wow, look at her, look at her. Oh, because of her, I'm so glad I came. Because of him, I'm so glad I came. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for those that will bring to him the reward, the travails of his soul. People that he will look at and say, thank God I went to the earth. That's the gift we give to him. How many are saying we'll do that? How many are already doing that? No problem if you're not already doing that. That's why we came. That from today, you think about it. I want to give him a gift. I want to love somebody. Now, I don't want to mention, I want to take it for granted. Generosity, kindness, give to those who don't have. That is very important. That is foundational. We do all of that. But why I'm not emphasizing that it, it's so much now is that many, you know, who don't love jesus are doing those things not for love of jesus but for love of themselves and the problem is that technology hasn't helped so people give now give give and they take pictures of all the people that are giving now i don't know how many of you would like people to give you rice and take your picture in fact there's something i don't understand you go to a party and they're not taking your picture when you have meat in your mouth like this that's when the cameraman will come to take as if he was sent to bring evidence do you understand now, so everywhere in the world, people are doing all kinds of things, but they're not doing it out of love for him. But it's okay. I mean, the poor who get the food don't mind. But what I'm saying is this. For you and I, it should be taken for granted that we are sharing the love of Jesus. We are giving of our wealth. We are giving of our resources. We are giving of our time. We are ministering. But most importantly, the spiritual needs at this time bring peace. As you are here, are there people that you know that you can reconcile? If you achieve that in this season, you have given Jesus a gift. Praise the Lord, somebody. Is there a place where there was, you know, coldness that you can just bring someone? Is there someone that you can tell the, about the love of Jesus? Is there to someone that you can just, you know, humble yourself and break that ice? Is there a place where you can go on Jesus' stead? He came from heaven to earth. 
What journey shouldn't you be able to make for him? That's the gift we can give to him. Praise Jesus, somebody. Okay, the last place I will close. Come with me back to Luke chapter 2, verse 20. Just something there and then we'll pray. Still in line with what we're talking about. Okay? So the Bible said the angels still appeared to the shepherds and told the shepherds this is what happened. And when the angels left, the shepherds said, let's go and see these things that were told us. That's verse 15. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came and they found it just as it was told them. Okay? Verse 18 says, And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. 19, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in the heart. 20 said something which caught my attention. 20 says, Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And they began to remind me that Jesus had 12 disciples. Praise the Lord. And the 12 disciples of Jesus, none of them were shepherds. The first recipients of the news of Jesus' birth were who? Shepherds. So how come when he now lived, carried out his ministry, we don't have shepherds as those who were, you know, found amongst the people who held on to the message. We found fishermen, predominantly fishermen, one or two tax collectors, you know, some businessmen. But fishermen, what happened to the shepherds? Now, brethren, I don't know about you, but when you read this, they actually saw heaven open. Are you with me? They saw heaven open. They saw an angel, and then they saw a choir of angels singing. It doesn't happen anyhow. That's a sight that you can never forget. They were not dreaming. You know how we know they were not dreaming? It wasn't one person. You know, that's why sometimes when God appears, he appears to more than one person. So you know it's not a dream. Because if it's only you, you can say in a dream. Okay? So they saw all of that. They went and they saw the child as it was. What happened with them that the children, let's say these people were old, maybe 20, 40, whatever. How, how did it happen that they didn't transmit this message to their children so that when Jesus' ministry started, there would have been shepherds already waiting. How come that happened? Let's look at the text again. It says, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and had seen as it was told them. Now come with me to 1 John 1 verse 1. I'll show you something there. John the apostle speaking now. Let's read together. It says, that which was from which we have, which we have Hold on, hold on. This is where the shepherd stopped. They saw, they heard, they saw, right? But look at what John is saying here. John said, we heard it. We saw it with our eyes. Now, seen with eyes, the next one says, which we have what? Looked upon. Do I have a scientist there? You see, you and I know what a butterfly is, isn't it? But it took a scientist to know that a butterfly is the same thing as a caterpillar. Because they investigated. They didn't just look at butterfly. They looked upon it. And they saw that this butterfly has no baby. The baby butterfly is a caterpillar. It took an investigation. So the shepherds did not inquire. They did not investigate. They didn't go into what they saw. They just saw it like a movie. They told the story. So it had no benefit. Their generation did not matter. When Jesus came on earth, not one shepherd was amongst those who followed him. But they were the beneficiaries of the first announcement. It went further. It said, which we have looked upon. The last one says, and our hands have what? Child of God. I've told us here. The first time I wrote jam. As much as I was good in mathematics. I think I got 50 something. I got maybe 56 in math. Why? Because I read mathematics. I would lie on my bed. I like reading lying down. So I lay on my bed and read economics. I, I lay on my bed and read English. I lay on my bed and read. When it came to mathematics, I will read the illustration and then go through, glance through the, uh, what, what do they call it? Practice questions, right? And then go and read another. And as I was reading it, I was understanding it. You get what I'm saying? Until I went to the exam hall. Then I realized that I couldn't find X. Do you understand? They give you the question. What you'll be arguing then is that this question is incomplete. 
the problem was that when I read the illustration, the illustration did not take me deep. It just gave me enough to be able to practice. And those practice questions, the way they set it, is that the first one will be exactly like the illustration. The second one will need you to do some other calculation to get what you need for it. There are some that will need you to do four different calculations to get the variables you use to solve this one. Now, if you never practice, you will never know it's necessary. Now, John was saying here, our hands have what? Handled it. Because of that, if they told them they will kill them for Jesus' sake, they say, this is my name, kill me. Why? Because they had come to prove beyond reasonable doubt that this is the one sent from God. This is the savior of the world. Jesus is the son of God. It wasn't just a movie they saw. It was an experience they had. It could not be taken from them. Brothers and sisters, this Christmas, I want to ask you, has Jesus become that real to you? I know you have seen him. Everybody here can tell us what happened at Christmas. I know you have heard, this is what he does, this is what he does. But have you placed yourself in that place where you experience him? The Bible talks about those who by reason of use, have you put this Christianity into a place where the Bible says, Christ in me is the hope of glory. Has Christ, have I been in a situation, and instead of talking, I say, Christ, or you speak for me. Have I been in a situation where instead of responding, I say, Christ, respond for me. And then I realized that, oh, that was Christ responding. That couldn't have been me. This Christ is real. And you prove it over and over until such a time when it's now in a trying situation. You can say to the son, be still. Why? Because you know that the same Christ who was with you then is with you now. Let's rise on our feet. Jesus wants you to handle him. He wants you to experience him. He wants you to investigate him. He wants you to prove him. He wants you to know that he's healer, he's deliverer, he's way maker, he's provider, he's friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the son of God. He's your intercessor. He wants you to know that he's the lover of your soul, the champion of your salvation. Jesus wants you and I to experience him. He just doesn't want us to tell, ah, that is Jesus. I went to church. No! He wants you to be a witness. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 703 You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.